What's up, Bridge Youth? How you guys doing tonight? How was, how was your Halloween? Oops, sorry, Harvest. Was it good? Oh, I got my keys on my belt still. Amber, can I give you these? Here they come. Woohoo! Hey, you guys good? Look at your neighbor. Tell them you look good. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Tell them you're still wearing your costume, huh? <laughs> hey, thanks so much for coming and hanging out tonight. Um, we just think it's so cool that with last night being Halloween, with everything you got going on in your life and your schedule, that you chose to come and spend some of your time with us. So thanks for coming and hanging out. We like welcoming our guests in a way that never gets old for us. Someone clear your throat. <clears throat> we like saying we're here to build you up, not? Yeah, so stick around after service. If you're brand new, come say hi. Come meet us. Come catch this work in carpet ball. You guys see our new carpet ball over there? I'll give you the work. It's so much fun. Um, hang out. Like, get to know some people. You're part of the family now. We got a rule. If you're in the room, you are family. So, hey, uh, before we move on, I do want to talk real quick. Can we get the graphic of uh, Joel um, not Osteen, but Richards, who will be coming. Joel Osteen will be coming to speak at Bridge Youth. And, uh, our, our boy Joel Richards is coming all the way from Manchester, England, to come and preach for us in two weeks. That is two weeks from today. Look at your neighbor dead in their face and say, two weeks. Look at your other neighbor and like the girl from the ring, say, two weeks. That was that movie, right? where they called on the phone was like one week or seven days or whatever it was. Um, I, I got I to be honest with you guys. Joel Richards preached night one of the conference that I preached at in Manchester, England, and that dude is one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. I promise you this, he will be loud, he will be wild, he'll be fun, and his accent is beautiful. It is like, it, have you guys noticed how people with British accents, they just sound intelligent like all the time? That's Joel. But more than that, him and his wife, uh, Amy, are incredible friends of mine and Amber. Uh, they're, they're phenomenal people, and we can't wait for them to come out. But that night, we want you guys to wear, uh, who in the room you play a sport? Who plays sports? Where's the Hoopers at? Basketball players? Football players. What? Yeah, you always, football players are different breeds. Basketball players are like... The football players, like, where the football players at? They're like, yeah, you know? Where's the soccer players at? Oh, my gosh. You know, those soccer players. <laughs> no, I love soccer. Everton beat Burnley today, 3-0. Let's go. Um, where's the cheerleaders at, cheerleaders? Yeah. Dude, if you don't think cheer is a sport, like, get out of here, man. I want, I want to see you. I want to see you be the one who gets, like, thrown in the air and stuff. Dude, that's terrifying, bro. Um... Like, what sports am I missing? Oh, where's the golfers at? Four. Hey, um, if you play on a team, wear your jersey in two weeks. If you are just like a sports fan, I'm going to be in, you know me, like your boy's going to be in the black and silver. Man, we fired everybody today. Everybody got fired. Head coach, general manager, the starting QB got benched. We're a brand new football team this Sunday. We'll see what happens. Um, but like if you just like wear your favorite sports team, but if you are a part of a team, here's what we kind of had on our hearts. For the next two weeks, go 
pray for your team and pray for opportunity to reach out to people on your team and invite them to church. That night, we're going to have a bunch of sports-themed stuff. There'll be some games that'll be all sports-themed. We'll do some stuff outside with basketball, everything like that. It's going to be a blast. You don't want to miss it. But be praying for your sports teams. Be inviting your friends on those sports teams um, and all, you know, like other people too. Uh, Feel free to invite anybody. The last time we brought somebody from the UK, we had over 400 people in this room. So let's, uh, let's go all out. Let's see what God will do. Amen? All right, don't miss that. Two weeks. Hey, tonight, um, why I love you, man. It's not the conclusion of this series, actually. We got one more week in this series after tonight. But tonight, we're continuing in this series, WWJD. Who's got your bracelets? Hey, we actually ordered more bracelets because some of you guys were like, dude, I want one. So Amber uh, ordered more bracelets. They'll be at the prayer stations. They'll be at the prayer stations after service. So you could go grab one from one of the people at the prayer stations after service. Um, but tonight, like I, I had it in mind to do like a, like a day after Halloween. Like what would Jesus do? And I was thinking, about, so this is just a quick like honorable mention. I was thinking about talking about like a bunch of like, kind of spiritual stuff, you know, like the Halloween stuff. Like I was thinking about talking about demons and stuff. Um, you guys are like bummed that I'm not talking about demons? I was going to talk about demons. You guys say, oh, man, you were like you should have talked about that. Here's the whole message. Demons, don't. <laughs> you know, just stay away from them. Don't watch The Exorcist. Don't watch, I don't know, any other demonic movies. Don't watch that garbage. Stay away from it. I was also going to talk about like, you know, you know the people, these people, Oh, you know, I put, I put crystals outside to absorb the moon's energy. And then I put those crystals into my bubble bath so then I absorb the energy. You're weird. <laughs> You're weird, and that's weird, and that only works in Avatar The Last Airbender, okay? What's wrong with you? Like, no, that's weird. Don't do that stuff. I was also going to talk about, uh, I always get it mixed up, astrology. Astrology is the one with, like, that's not the stars. That's the other one, right? He, oh, I don't even know what that is, bro. But like, the, the astrology is like the I'm a, I'm a Virgo. That mean, you know? Oh, you like taking hot showers? You must be a Gemini. Everybody likes wearing taking hot showers. What's wrong with? Oh, you're wearing socks? That is so. What is it? Aquarius? That is so aquarium of you. You must be an aquarium. Is what you are. Bro, like, if you, if you honestly believe that, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I'm going to let some worldly, made-up garbage tell me who I am and give me my identity instead of the God who created me. Stay away from that stuff. The only thing close to that that you're even allowed to get close to is the paper inside of the fortune cookie. Okay? That's it. And that's only because fortune cookies are delicious. All right? But so is candy corn, Okay? Candy corn is delicious, and I absolutely love it, you haters. <laughs> so is Arby's. I love Arby's. Um, hey, but tonight, we're, we're not going to do that. I, I thought, you know what, let, I kind of wanted to go, with only two weeks left in the series, I wanted to go in a different direction. And tonight, we're going to talk about what would Jesus do in responding to a sinner. Now, let me clarify really quick what I mean by sinner. All of us have sinned. We all fall short. But those of us who have, have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are now um, 
covered by the sacrifice of Jesus, and we're legit what Scripture calls saints. So what I'm talking about when I say sinner is people who are like worldly, they're living in the world, they're living a lifestyle of sin, and they don't believe what it is that we believe. So the question is with those people, what do we do? How do we respond to those people? Like, do we, do we get super mad and, like, yell and scream at them? And, and like, do we, do we write on signs things like, turn or burn, and march up the street all mad? Do we, do we ignore their sin altogether? Well, I, I want you to imagine for a moment. Imagine somebody, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe there's this, like, uh, some young girl who got caught in the, like, the, like, messiest, worst sin that you can think of. And imagine right in the middle of that mistake, she comes face to face with Jesus. How do you think Jesus would respond to a girl like that? That is what we're going to be digging into tonight. What would Jesus do in response to a sinner? Here's how he would respond. He would respond with grace and truth. Grace and truth. Everybody say grace. Everybody say truth. He would respond with grace and truth. Here's your sermon in a sentence. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, then I pray you get home and all of your Halloween candy is eaten by your cat, who then dies because all of your Halloween candy was left out. Cats are demonic. Get them out of your house, okay? Look at your neighbor. Say, y'all ready for this? Here's your sermon in a sentence. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. You don't even know how good that is, but before the end of the night, you will. Truth without grace, it's just main. It's what it is. It's main, okay? All right, Jesse, it's main. I don't know why I'm talking in all country. But then grace without truth is meaningless. All right, John chapter 8 Verse number 1 to 11, this is a story all about how my life got turned upside. No, it's a story about this young girl who was caught in the middle of a horrible, horrible sin. This is one of those, uh, one of those stories that if you think the Bible is boring, you've not read this story. If this story was made into a movie, it would be rated R and your parents would not let you watch it. Because this is a story about a young girl who got caught sleeping with a dude who was not her husband. And these people who are super religious, they catch her literally in the very act. And then they pull her out into public in front of everybody. They throw her in front of Jesus. And this unfolds the story that we're going to dig into tonight. Would you stand to your feet in the honor of the reading of God's word? We're going to read 11 verses in this famous story that's commonly been called a woman caught in adultery. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. He was speaking... Um, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? So what's happening here is they're like, 
hey, this woman, she's a sinner. She's been caught doing the worst of the worst, bro. And according to the law of Moses, she should be put to death. She, she should be executed in a way that's called stoning, which means we're going to throw rocks at her till she's dead. And all of them are standing there pompous and arrogant with rocks in hand. And then they say, what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? So they put her in front of him. The law of Moses says to stone her, but what do you say? Verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus, I love this, but Jesus stooped down and just wrote in the dust with his finger. He didn't say anything. Here's like, here's maybe a great lesson. When people are sitting there trying to trap you and put you in a corner to say something that's going to, I don't know, like they're trying to get you canceled or something. They're trying to get you to make yourself look like a fool. They're trying to do what so many people do and pin uh, a person of faith in a corner and make them say something that they'll regret. Just don't say anything at all. Jesus didn't say anything. He just stooped down and he began writing in the dirt. What did he start writing? I don't know. Nobody really knows. There's a ton of speculation. I like to think he started writing out the sins of the accusers. He's like, oh, yeah, I know you, Billy. And then he, like, writes Billy's, uh, Billy was probably not one of their names. It's first century, you know, it's a Jewish culture. It's probably not Billy. He's like, I like to think that maybe he started writing out the sins of those who were accusing this woman. So they were trying to trap him into saying something, but he just stooped down and he, he wrote in the dust. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Famously, the, the, the classic version says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Verse 8. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to this woman, this is awesome, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? What would Jesus do when face to face with a sinner? This is what? Verse 11, the woman says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're good. God, you speak to us tonight. God, I pray that get me out of your way so that you could come and speak and that we can all learn a little bit more about how to walk out some of these tough scenarios and situations that we are um, that we come face to face with on a daily basis. Show us how to better love people. God, do a miracle with your team, the Raiders. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Um, being married's awesome. I, I love being married. Being married's like one of my favorite things in the whole world. Uh, but Amber and I, uh, if you've not met, this is my wife, Amber, my beautiful wife of 14 years. And um, we, yes, Amber rocks. Dude, we are so opposite, Amber and I. Like, I love being married. We are so polar opposite. There, 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 are two t there are two types of people in the world, and they often marry each other. That's what happened with us. There are these people, it's already 10 o'clock. And then there's people like me that's like, it's only 10 o'clock. That's Amber and I, you know? Like, like the Amber and I are also, th this is us, like, ah, it's 7 a.m. And then there's, oh, it's 7 a.m. That's me. Like, we're also like, she loves winter. Like, it's November. I'm not kidding. On the way to work this morning, she played the Mariah Carey song, the uh, whatever the Christmas song is. She's like, it's Christmas and it's cold and I love sweaters. I'm like, I love summer. I want to be in board shorts at the beach outside all day, every day. That is me, through and through. Um, 
like another one, like Amber is super duper organized. Me, I'm not a dork. So, you know, <laughs> one, of the way, one of the things that's like, uh, like way different that we just see differently, um, like, like when, I got, when I first got married, like it's really interesting moving in with somebody because your life collides with theirs and, and, you know, like, I don't know, I would like leave my socks or my underpants on the floor and she'd be like, Corey, pick up after yourself. It's so easy. The hamper's right there. The whole place is just the best. And then I turn to the, you know, bathroom sink and there's mascara and makeup and blow dryers and hair straighteners and all this stuff. And I'm like, but guys, you're not allowed to say anything about that. But when I first got married, one of the things that was so different than I thought was um, uh, she, she, she talks in her sleep, bro. <laughs> um, like, she doesn't as much anymore. Like, it's actually pretty rare now. You laughed in your sleep the other day. I meant to tell you. I'm, I'm remembering this right now on stage and telling you in front of our entire youth group and our millions of viewers on YouTube. Um, yeah, so, yeah, she would laugh in her sleep sometimes, too. Uh, and two times were, like, like particularly um, terrifying. One night, uh, I walked through the front door, and I, I, I was coming home from the gym, because I go to the gym all the time, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I walked through the front door, and she's, she's asleep on the couch, you know? I'm like, oh, Amber's sleeping. So I'm like, all quietly, I close the screen, close the door, I lock it, I turn around. And she's now standing there staring at me. I'm like, ah! I'm like, hey, babe, you awake? And then she just goes, ah! and she runs at me with, oh, this is not a joke, dude. I'm not exaggerating this at all. She runs at me with a pillow, and she starts, like, trying to hit me with the pillow. And I'm like, ah, and then I socked her in the face as hard as I could. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm like, no, and I'm, like, trying to dodge the pillow, and I grab her by the shoulders, and I shake her. I say, babe, wake up. <laughs> it's me. And she's like, huh. Why are you yelling at me? And she goes to bed in tears. I was the bad guy in that situation. The next morning, I'm like, babe, do you remember anything about last night? She goes, yeah, I remember you yelling at me. I was like, do you remember getting up off the couch and like chasing me down with the pillow? She goes, no. I was like, you thought I was like a serial killer or a burglar or trying to like break into the house. And she goes, oh, I don't remember any of that. I was like, so a handful of things we need to address about this. Number one, it's dangerous. Like I could die. What if you didn't have a pillow in your hand? What if you had like a baseball bat in your hand? Number two, what if I was a burglar or a serial killer? You came at me with a pillow. <laughs> Choose a better weapon, <laughs> you know? Um, Another night, we, we were living in a trailer in the, in the back of uh, our church in Elsinore at this time. It's in the middle of a dirt field. It's not lit, anything. Um, it's like there's no lighting around. And, and when, they had, when they had bought this, like, mobile home type thing, it was like a trailer type thing, they had strapped, like, an AC on top that was meant for a room, like, this size. And so when this AC would turn on, not kidding you, it would be like, boom. And then, like, the AC would start flowing. <laughs> Someone just woke up. Someone just got saved. <laughs> um, uh, but that was like, so in the middle of the night, if it got too hot, it was like in the dead of night, it would just be boom. And then the AC would start flowing. But we called this thing the vortex because it was so cold. One night, um, I'm like, um, you know when you're like almost falling asleep? Where's all like the, where's everybody who skates, you scooter, you bike? How come it's like when you're right about to fall asleep, you start having those dreams about falling down? You know, you're like, oh God, you know, like it's always like in that, like I'm not asleep, but I am asleep, but I'm not asleep, but I am asleep. And you have those moments. I'm like at that moment. And it was like one of those, I was like, man, it's so, I love my wife. Life is so good. I'm like falling asleep. And Amber's like, 
her head's like right here, her arms across my chest. Like she's already been asleep for a while. I'm like, man, life is so good. I'm so blessed. I've got a beautiful wife just sleeping on my chest. That was a bar. Didn't even meant for it. And then, and then as I'm right about to fall asleep, boom, the AC turns on. Amber goes, ah, someone's breaking in. And she grabs my nipple and twists as hard as she can. And I'm like, ah. And when she's, you know, like usually it'd be like, boom, and it's done. She's just holding it, bro. She's, someone's breaking in. I'm like, oh. And I tell her, I tell her, the only thing I could think to get her to stop is, if you let go, I'll go get them. And she's like, okay. And she lets go. And I go, it's the AC, Amber. And now you're married to a man with one nipple. <laughs> Dude, it was like, all of it was like, her point of view was serial killer trying to break in the house. Reality was a loving husband, right? Like, so like, here's the point. Point of view matters. If you're taking notes, your, your first point tonight is P-O-V. POV, what would Jesus do when face-to-face with a sinner? First off, he would have the correct perspective. Everybody say perspective. He would have the right point of view. What do you mean by that? I can dig into this so much, but just two things. Number one, people are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. And Jesus walks into this situation and this scenario where the, the Pharisees are like, yo, she's the enemy. She's a sinner. Like, let's get her. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus could easily have made an enemy out of this girl, but he doesn't. But here's the crazy part, too. He could have made an enemy out of the Pharisees as well. And these guys holding rocks, he could have picked up a rock and been like, all right, like, you know what? I'm not going to fight her. I'm going to fight for her by fighting you. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't wage war on any of them because people aren't our enemy. I love the way Ephesians 6.12 says, for we are not. Somebody say not. Come on, somebody say not. Wake up after Halloween. Um, (laughs) For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. See, we're not fighting. People are not our enemy. And people tried to force this issue in John 8 with Jesus to be binary. The sort of this or that. This or that scenario. Jesus, are you with us religious leaders or are you with that dirty sinner? Are you with the sinful woman? Jesus, choose a side. Who are you for? Who are you against? What are you for? What are you against? Who do you love? Who do you hate? And Jesus doesn't choose a side. But isn't it interesting that so many people do the same thing to us today? They make every issue binary as if it's a this or that and everything. It's like, oh, Okay, Republican or Democrat? And if you say one or the other, then it's like, oh, the other side's going to make an enemy out of you. But also it's like, oh, conservative or liberal. And if I'm on this side of things, then you are an enemy on that side. Can I tell you, if you are a Christian and you might lean one direction or the other in terms of your political uh, values, that's okay. Um, But the people on the other side are not your enemy. And the whole world is doing that. There are YouTube channels that are dedicated to what we believe this politically, and everybody on that side is our enemy. And our entire channel and our whole existence and our entire career is going to be all about making them the enemy and getting viewers and money out of it. That is not biblical, and it's not what Jesus would do. So if that is a a, a mentality that you're adopting, you're adopting a worldly mentality. Jesus didn't choose a side. He just addressed both. Pharisees. Technically... Technically, you're right. But then he goes, but haven't we all been wrong at some point in time? 
And then he goes, goes over to the woman, and I love this, verse number nine. I don't know that I ever saw it like this. It says, Jesus, at the end of all of it, the dust settles. Everybody's gone, and it says, Jesus was with the woman. Everybody say, with. See, this was the woman that everybody else was standing against, but Jesus, at the end of it, stuck with this woman. See, you thought that when you mess up that God runs from you. Maybe you thought as a Christian you need to run from anybody who's a quote-unquote sinner. But actually God is with you. If you're taking notes, you, you might want to write this down. Let's be people who are known for what we stand for more than what we stand against. I want to be known for what I stand for, not what I stand against. And people aren't our enemies. So matter, no matter what side of the fence you fall on, don't ever make enemies out of people. It's unchristlike. Let me just say this. Christians, to all the Christians in the room, Christians, I'm calling you out. Stop fighting with who you should be fighting for. Stop, like, it's like so many Christians out here take to Facebook mad at lost people for being lost. Mad at sinful people for, oh, I don't know, sinning. Mad at worldly people for doing worldly stuff. There's people out there who are like, oh, I can't believe Disney has put another non-Christian thing in their non-Christian movie. It's like, what? Like, you're mad at, the Disney's not a Christian corporation. Like, just don't watch the movie, you know? But we're over here, you will never fight for a world that you've waged war against. We don't need to wage war against the world. We need to be fighting for these people. And Jesus realized that. Let me ask you this question. Is there someone that God's calling you to see different and to fight for? Is there someone in your world who's not a believer, they're not a Christian, and maybe you for a long time has always kept them at arm's length like, uh, no, they don't believe what I believe. They don't live how I live. I don't and, and maybe you've not looked at them as an enemy, but maybe you've looked at them as a nuisance, and maybe that person is actually who God is calling you to fight for. Here's the second POV. Jesus embraced the mess. Jesus embraced the mess. John 8 was a very messy situation. You had religious people saying one thing. You had this uh, woman that was uh, being accused. Uh, you had uh, these religious leaders who weren't technically wrong, but at the same time, they weren't really right. And Jesus didn't run from this mess. He embraced it. And when was the last time you embraced a messy situation? Like, do you just run from messy people, messy situations? You, you know, like, a lot of people, you know what a lot of people do, their, their version of running from messy situations? We're talking about grace and truth tonight. A lot of people, when it comes to messy situations, messy people, their version of running is just giving them grace but no truth. Oh, no, honey, you're fine. Oh, they're all crazy. You're perfect exactly how you are. Heck, no, you ain't. <laughs> you're just as messed up and broken, lost as me, man, like. And so many people will give them grace but no truth, but we need to have a balance of both. And I want you to imagine Jesus. This woman was literally just caught in the very act of sleeping with the dude that was not her husband. And then these guys drag her into this, like, area publicly in front of everybody. And I want you to, to get the picture here. Jesus got close with somebody like that. Somebody who's not like, oh, yeah, like, you know, people who have a, their testimony, like, I have a testimony five years ago, and then everybody immediately has so much grace because it's like, oh, that was five years ago, all good. No, but this was five minutes ago, 
And Jesus is like, hey, I'm right here, right in this, the middle of this situation with you. And there's people in this room, there's people that come to Bridge Youth that I'm going to be honest. Bro, you're a mess. <laughs> Look at your neighbor say, he's talking about you. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, be like, he's not talking about me. <laughs> Aren't I? Like, there are people in this room, like, you're, like, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're, you're kind of a mess. Like, and your life is kind of a mess. And uh, things around you are kind of messy. And then sometimes you bring that mess to church with you. And then, like, sometimes we've got to, like, I don't know, we've got to deal with some of that mess. And sometimes, you know, we've got to call your parents. And sometimes things, uh, like, uh, but here's the thing. If you are, like, someone who your life is a mess and maybe you don't believe what we believe and maybe you've just found yourself kind of wandering in here tonight because you came to Hype Night last week and you're like, that's kind of cool. I think I'll come back and check it out. And here you are. And you're, like, honestly, right now, not five years years ago, but five minutes ago, you were caught in sin. You know, can I just tell you, this church is for you, and we love you, and we back you, and we are willing to embrace the mess that your life might be. Now, we're not going to leave you there. We're going to help you walk out and away from that mess, but can I tell you, Amber and I, in all the years of ministry that we've been doing ministry, I can tell you, we've always done ministry that way, inviting in and loving messy people, because God loves messy people, but we have not done so without catching some flack for it. Like, we get people who, who, huh? You want to invite who into church? You want to do, whoa, wait, what? I remember, I remember one time we did this parent night here, uh, here at the bridge. We did this parent night. We had a, uh, all of our students here, and then Amber and I, we went and we met with some, some moms and dads over in the side room over here. It's just like, hey, thank you for, like, letting your kids be a part of youth, and is there any way that we could be a blessing to your family? Just that kind of stuff, you know? And they got to spectate some of the service, and then um, after the little meeting, a few dads came, and, and they wanted to talk with me, and they had a few questions. And one of the questions that one of the dads had brought up was, hey, Corey, I noticed that there was some secular music playing on your pre-service playlist. And for those of you who maybe are new to church, I guess according to Christians, there is secular music and there's Christian music, but I love what C.S. Lewis said, there is no secular or sacred because a mu music, a song, or a book cannot get saved. Only people can. But, which is just great theology. But he was like, I, I, and this dad was really cool. He was like, I, I noticed there's some secular music on your playlist. And I'm just curious why is that? Because, you know, this is a church, and we're Christians, and why would there be secular music on there? And I was like, dude, that's actually a really great question. And I said, the reason why is because we have a ton of students who come to Bridge Youth who don't go to church, and they're not Christians. And the first time, there's so many people who have come to us, and they've told us, the first time I ever stepped foot in a church, it was Bridge Youth. And you know what I started thinking? I'm telling this dad. You know what I started thinking? Imagine like the first time you went to church. I remember the first time I went to church. One of the things that was most abstract to me was uh, during worship, people lifting their hands. Now, that's something I do every single time I worship now because I have an understanding of what it means. But when I first started going to church, I was like, why is everyone lifting their hands? And I grew up in East Riverside, so I was like, somebody got a gun? <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? This is kind of weird. Um, and, then, and then, you know, the pastor went up and was like, hey, I'm going to talk from this thing called the Bible. 
And I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's like it's God's book. And I'm like, huh, that's a little abstract as well. I've never read the Bible. And then there was this part where they talked about giving. And they're like, also, you could give money to the church. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up. I'm like, what you talking about? And it was all a bit abstract and alien and foreign. And for somebody who steps into church for the first time, it all might feel a bit abstract, alien, and foreign. And they could quickly think to themselves, maybe I don't belong here. But I was just, wait, is that Justin Bieber? I know this song. Maybe I do belong here. And I told the dad, it's incredibly intentional that we play clean, filtered, secular music that we have already had our team screen and made sure that there's no inappropriate content or cussing. But that's why we do it. And the dad goes, that's awesome, dude. I love that, and I love that you shared why you do that. And then there was a dad standing next to him that goes, wait, Corey. I was like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, you're talking about the world and bringing the world in? No, we don't want to bring the world in. We want to keep the world out. And I immediately thought, this guy will not be in our church very long. Because talk about the wrong point of view Talk about the wrong perspective. We want to keep the world out. Can I tell you, if you are a Christian in the room, and as I say, this church is for messy people, you're like, uh, no, I don't want that. We don't want to keep the world, we don't want to bring the world in. We want to keep the world out. Just pull your phone out, open Google, and start looking for another church, because you probably will not fit in here long, because we are a church who love messy people. We love the lost. We're going to be here for them. We're going to be a beacon of light in our community, and we're going to reach out to them. And the right perspective when it comes to sinners is, man, we are going to embrace the messiness of all of it. And if your life is messy, welcome to the family. We love you and we back you. And if you're a Christian that does not love messy people, you might not be wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet. (laughs) Or you might not have the perspective that Jesus had. Talk about the wrong point of view. Matthew eleven nineteen, Jesus is being scrutinized here, and it says, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. One of the biggest things that Jesus was scrutinized for, criticized for, is like, ugh, this guy is a friend of sinners. I love it when I am criticized for the same things that Jesus was criticized for. If you ever have religious people around you going, ugh, why are you friends with them? Just know that Jesus was criticized for the same things. And honestly, wear that mess like a badge of honor. Like actually look at that as like a sign of success in your walk with Christ. Like, dude, people are criticizing me for the same things that they criticized Jesus for. I love getting criticized for the things that Jesus was criticized for. When it comes to sinners, messy people, Do you have the same perspective, the same point of view as Jesus? They're not an enemy to be judged and fought with. They're lost, but they're also loved by God and should be fought for. You know, over the years, I've had a lot of of people around who I've, I've taken time to pour into, disciple, befriend, love, people who would be quote unquote sinners. And a few times in my years of ministry, I've had people come and, and kind of just be like, dude, like, them? And hit me with something along the lines of, dude, they're not worth it. I've had a few times where they've even said things like, dude, come on, hopeless case. I want you right now sitting here, 
church. And I, and I, and I actually, actually love that there's a handful of people who, who maybe aren't in church tonight because Halloween had them wrecked and they were up till 2 o'clock in the morning. So numbers are down a little bit and our crowd's maybe a little slimmer. Because this is, this is an important message that I think wouldn't be for everybody, but it would be for somebody who do you have in your life? Maybe it's a family member or a friend. Who do you have that everybody else around you goes, they're a hopeless case? Maybe that's exactly who God's calling you to go fight for. First off, start praying for them. And then go show them some grace and give them some truth. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're here tonight and, and so many people have called you a hopeless case. I remember growing up, teachers telling me, you're good for nothing. Can I tell you, God sees you and he loves you. And this is a church that's for you. And we will fight for you. Even when you try to fight with us, we'll still fight for you. And we're here for you. Do you have the same perspective about sinners as Jesus? As the band heads up and we start closing down, my second point is show and tell. You guys remember show and tell as a kid? I used to always bring my like my Marvel toys, I had, a, I had a Carnage action figure that I brought one time and I got in trouble because he was too gnarly. Um, show and tell. You gotta show grace and tell them the truth. You gotta show them grace and tell them the truth. Show and tell. Show grace, tell them the truth. See, grace and truth, um, who with me also hates the dentist? I despise the dentist. Has anybody ever got a root canal? Dude. Root canals are horrible, dude. They're awful. One time I was getting a root canal, and the electricity in the dentist's office went off. It was wild. There was a storm. It was crazy. Um, but root canals are, are when they drill down all the way through your tooth into the root because there's this root problem, right? But here's the thing. Here's how this works. This is so important. This is actually like very deep theology that you guys need even at your young age. Before they ever start drilling down to that root problem, they give you this stuff called Novocaine. And Novocaine is that medicine. It's the laughing gas stuff that makes you numb enough to endure the drilling of getting down to that root problem, right? Novocaine is grace. The root canal is the truth. Novocaine is grace, the root canal is the truth. Now, here's the thing. Imagine you go to the dentist, and they don't give you the Novocaine, and they just start drilling on your teeth. What are you doing? Boom, I'm socking the dentist and running for the door, right? Like, most people would have that natural physical response if someone starts drilling a tooth and you're not numb. They're going to swing on the dentist and head for the door. How many people in the world are swinging on the church and heading for the door? Want to know why? Because they're just giving them truth without any grace. Grace and truth are both important, but the order is important as well. And grace has to come first. See, that's why the dentist gives you Novocaine first. So you can endure the pain of the root problem that they got to get down to. But now imagine for a moment, because there's a lot of churches and Christians like this. Imagine a lot, like you go to the dentist and they're like, your teeth are perfect. No, no root canals needed. You don't have any cavities, nothing. But here, have some Novocaine. You want some laughing gas? That's not a dentist. That's a drug dealer. 
and that's not good either. But that's what a bunch of Christians and churches are doing too, where it's just grace, 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 grace. And here, have a little bit more grace. You know, the people are like, you're perfect, exactly as you are, and don't let anybody ever change you. Not biblical, not the truth. And we need both grace and truth. Grace, God loves you. He's merciful. Jesus said, I do not condemn you. And then there's truth. Go, sin, no more. I have some boys who are going to bring out a couple things to help illustrate this point. While they do, um, Romans 2 and verse 4, it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? There's the grace. God is patient, and he's kind. And it says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it's his kindness? There's more grace that is intended to turn you from your sins, there's the truth. Another version, another version, it says, uh, it says the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The truth is God is kind. The kindness is, uh, the truth is God is kind, but the truth is like, uh, you need to repent. Grace, God's kind. Truth, you need to repent. So I have these ladders. Um, I'm a very manly man. Hold these ladders, guys. I want to just give you like an illustration of what it looks like with most people's journey with God. Imagine this is like the world and everything it has to offer. And this is God and the kingdom of God and everything he has to offer. Obviously, God's ladder is a lot taller because God will always take you higher and further than the world ever can, including beyond this life, right? But most of the time, it's like we're over here and then we have this moment with Jesus and, like, dude, God is so gracious that the first step, it's so easy. But most people's journey, Christians, this is where you've got to have grace for people. Because most people's journey are like, like, I had this moment with God, and I do believe in him, but also there's still some of this in my life. And, but then here's what happens. In God's grace, because he's so kind, he doesn't come in like, if I got kicked right now while standing in this position, it would be all bad. And God doesn't come and like kick you like, hey, you idiot, get it figured out. No, he just goes, hey, check this out. I got this next step for you. Why don't you just take a step? You go, cool, yeah. I'll take a step. Ooh. That little step made me feel a little stretched though. And now living in the world and with God, it's getting a little harder. Now it's like there's a lot of, there's still grace, but the more truth I get, it's hard to still hold on to some of the old me. And God, because he's still so gracious, comes in and he goes, hey, I've got this little step for you to take. Why don't you just take a step? And for some of us, we're like, God, I don't know. Ooh, I'm really high up here. This is kind of scary. God's like, dude, I'm, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But yeah, but last time I took a step, I messed up and I felt so condemned. And she's like, I don't condemn you. Just take a step. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm feeling really stretched. And I'm, I've got the legs of a, th of a 34-year-old. And Kai, a couple weeks ago when we were playing basketball, I, 
I kind of strained my groin a little bit, and I'm still feeling it. That's a true statement. I did. I kind of like, so I'm feeling this right now. And God, this is kind of tough. But God is so gracious that he's like, hey, what if on this next step, you just go all in? But here's what some of us do. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Because <laughs> this is so comfortable. I mean, obviously, it's so comfortable. This how some, just like this, this alone will preach. This is how some of y'all look trying to live one, one foot in, one foot out. You're like, I know what I'm doing. I'm so comfy right now. No, don't worry about me. Your friends come to you like, your friends come to you like, your life's looking a little messy. You look real uncomfortable. Like, you, you need some help? No, I'm good. I got this. It's like, do you? Looks like everything's about to fall apart. He's like, no. Because I, yeah, God's calling me to take another step, but I, I could still take a step here too. Dude, this could all end so badly, bro. <laughs> but at some point, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Jaw Claw Van Damme right now. <laughs> Dude, this, I'm not going to lie, this hurts. Can I tell you, this will only last so long before you got to just choose to go all in. Now, this is important for you as Christians, but it's also important for you who are Christians to know that this is how God works with us. God does not approach us religiously. That's not how God approaches us. God approaches us relationally. So with every person, the steps between grace and truth, the time might look different. For me, it was like five minutes. For this woman in John 8, it was like five minutes. And everything changed for me. For some of you guys, it's been like five months and this is still where you're at. But we would be Pharisees with rocks in our hands. We're over here like, hey, idiot, why don't you speed up the process <laughs> and do what? Hurt myself? Because everybody's got a story and everyone's got a personal relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we're the Christians without grace that's like, come on, just speed it up. Because I got up that ladder so fast. And you start sabotaging people's genuine relationship with Jesus. Now here's the thing. Here's the truth. We could say, ah, oh, it's just grace, 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 grace. You just stay right here your whole life. Just chill. No, God will call you higher. And there will come a time when you've got to choose a side. God, I hope you choose the right side. Hey, can you guys make some noise for my awesome assistants who helped me out? C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we're good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Both for ourselves and others, we need to understand that's how God works. Look, you can sit there and tell everybody to speed up their faith journey and hurry it along because for me, man, I cut all that garbage out in two minutes. Great. Great. And maybe you might need to give some friends some truth, which sometimes sounds like some tough conversations, which I give you guys all the time. But what we shouldn't do is sit here and, and wear like the Pharisee, like you, Halloween was yesterday, <laughs> 
Like, we don't need nobody around here dressing up like Pharisees with stones in their hands ready to condemn people when Jesus says, I don't even condemn you. But he gives them truth too. Go sin no more. No two people's journey will look the same. And people have to walk their journey step by step. So as I close, truth without grace, it's, it's mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. And maybe you're in this place and you would say, dude, I never knew that that's how Jesus responds to someone like me who has made a million mistakes. I never knew that face-to-face with a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, some people believe she was a prostitute, that face-to-face with a woman like that, Jesus said, hmm, hey, I shooed away all the people who wanted to who wanted to hurt you. I got rid of all of them, which was probably the single greatest act of love this woman have ever, had ever experienced. And he kind of goes over to her, and I love this, the Pharisees, the religious people stood tall, pompous, arrogant, prideful with rocks in their hand. And Jesus says, oh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. You know the only one in that whole situation who had never sinned? was Jesus. He's the only one who could have justifiably thrown a stone. But instead of standing pompous and arrogant with a rock in his hand, two times he went down and got in the dirt with this woman. One to ride on the ground and the other to go and go, hey, pick your head up. And when she looked up, he goes, where are your accusers? And she looks around. She goes, nowhere. He goes, well, then who's condemned you? She goes, no one, sir. And this is how Jesus responds to sinners. Then neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. And maybe you've never realized that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And maybe, like me, you've sinned a ton and you're in need of saving. And you thought what Jesus would do is slap you upside the head and tell you how stupid you've been and fork out the punishment he thinks you deserve. And tonight you're realizing he's responding to you so differently. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray that every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, even those watching online, God, I pray that their hearts would be softened in knowing how you respond to us, even in our lowest moments. With heads bowed and eyes closed, in this public setting but private moment, maybe tonight you would say, yeah, Pastor Corey, that's me. I've I've messed up. I've sinned. I'm like this woman. I've messed up in ways you couldn't imagine. Maybe for some of you, you've, you've, you've actually never even come to church before because you were so scared of like the judgment and the condemnation that you would in like that you would receive and now you're realizing that you're being met with nothing but grace and you would say I need I need forgiveness I want to receive that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness from Jesus you can right here and right now and if you want that grace and forgiveness I'm going to invite you to receive it in a simple way in just a moment I'm going to count to three when I get to three, I want you to just put up, your hand, put up your hand, put it right back down. No one's looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. This is your time. This is your moment. 
You need grace. You need forgiveness. When I get to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, go. All over this place, man. So cool. You can put your hands right back down. We're going to pray. The Bible says, uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So together as one family, would you guys just repeat these simple words right after me? If you're watching online, you're responding the same way. Just repeat these words right after me. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen. All right, I want to respond to God's word tonight in, in a unique but a simple way. We're going to respond with grace and truth. So one is about you and the other's not about you. The first is not about you. Think with me for a moment. Who do you know that is like a hopeless case? The person that maybe religious people have told you isn't worth it. Which is crazy. Because Jesus saw them and said, you're worth the cross. Tonight, I... I want us to just take time to pray for those people. And maybe they are actually on your sports team. And maybe that's exactly why God put it on our hearts to kind of challenge you guys to go after your sports teams. So tonight, I, I want to just take a moment to pray for those people. And so we're going to do that right now. And this is something that I don't usually do, but um, I'm going to do it right now. Uh, I'm going to call on a couple people to just come pray from our team. So, uh, Maria, would you come and would you pray? Um, if you guys don't know Maria, she's, uh, man, I don't know that I'm allowed to say this. One of my favorite leaders on our entire team. Uh, she's recently written a devotional that, how many people have done your devotional now? Almost, almost 10,000 people have done a devotional that this girl wrote, and it's absolutely awesome. If you, want, if you have questions about that, want to do the devotional, just come chat with her after service. She would love to. She would love to give you the info on that. But Maria, would you pray for each of us that, that God would just put on our hearts, put on our minds, whoever that hopeless case is, and then that God would give us the opportunity to show them grace. Um, while we pray, you guys are more than welcome. I mean, you're not gonna do, as long as you're not distracting anybody, more than welcome to go to our prayer stations right now as Maria prays. Maybe you wanna grab a paper and put that friend's name on a piece of paper and join your faith with our prayer team. So right now, if you, if you wanna go to the prayer stations, pray for these people, feel free to stand up and go. Maria's gonna pray for us. Join us in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful that each of us are here tonight, Lord. God, I pray for the students that were not able to make it tonight. God, I pray that you're with them. God, I pray that you would just meet us right here where we are, Lord. And I pray that as you had put thoughts and people in our hearts and minds, God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to be obedient to you, that you would give us the courage to be bold and step out in faith. 
and reach those people that you have put in our hearts and our minds, Lord, because most likely you have put those people in our hearts due to the fact that there's nobody else that's fighting for them. And therefore, that's why you have put those people in our path so that we are that one that are fighting for them, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, if we don't feel equipped, Lord, I just pray that you remind us that you have equipped us with everything that we need uh, from the word, from the Bible. Lord, I pray that the friend, our Holy Spirit, would guide us in those conversations with those people. God, I just pray that your presence is near and dear in those conversations and help us to have a balance of truth and grace, Father. God, I just ask that you would break our hearts for the people that break your heart, Father. And I just pray that we're just able to be a great example of who you are. Um, God, I just pray that any type of negative thoughts or any reservations that we're having towards those people, God, I just pray that we would captivate those thoughts right now, that we would bring them to you. And God, I just pray that we would replace them with the truth of what you say about those people. God, I just pray that um, we faithfully walk this out. And God, I just ask that you would give us the courage, Lord, to step out of our comfort zone and reach those people, to reach the students on campus, Lord, that are sitting by themselves, Lord. Um, oftentimes, Lord, when we find ourselves not having friends, Lord, sometimes you got to be a friend to have a friend, Lord. So I just pray that we're just able to wear your grace and truth boldly and confidently, Lord, and that anything that you have called us out to step out of, God, you have equipped us for that, Lord. For we do not step out of here without being equipped, Lord. You have equipped us with wisdom and discernment. And God, I just pray that you would lead us into tonight, Lord. And I just pray that even as we're thinking about these people in our minds, Lord, that we would even start to text them right now, Lord, and shoot them a text and schedule for coffee or lunch or whatever, Lord, and start connecting with those people right here, right now, and tonight, God. And I just pray that the students that gave their lives to you tonight, Lord, that they would leave transformed and that they would not um, leave the same way that they came in, Lord. And I just know that uh, with all these prayers lifted up, Lord, that you have received it, you have heard it, and you are working on it right now, Lord. And I lift all this up in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Man, before you talk to people about God, you got to talk to God about people. So here's what I want to challenge you guys to do. Maybe, maybe you're so moved and you're just ready right now, like Maria prayed, to text them right now. Because when, we, when I said, hey, who's the hopeless case? For a lot of you, a name or a face popped into your mind. Don't forget about them. But maybe what you should do is what I was feeling as Maria was praying. For the next seven days, just pray for that person. But their name somewhere we're going to see it every single day and pray for them. Petition God on their behalf that God would soften their hearts, that they would begin to have an interest and an intrigue in God and that he would work, that he would show up in their life. For seven days, pray for them. And then at the end of that seven days, I want you guys to pray for and look for your opportunity to invite them on the 15th. Is it the 15th that Joel's coming? To invite them on the 15th and just see what God will do. And then just see what God, this is not a matter of promoting a, 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 an event. It's a matter of God, and we're going to go after the ones that everybody else has forgotten about. So we just, we just responded with grace. Now we're going to respond with truth. As I, was, um, as I was prepping this message, I kept looking at everything from Jesus' perspective, and I kept putting myself in Jesus' shoes. If you guys want to keep going to the prayer stations, you're not going to distract me. If you got people you want to pray for, put their names down, feel free. 
um, I kept putting myself in Jesus' shoes. Like, oh, I want to do what Jesus would do. I want to do what Jesus would do. Which is like a great way to read the Gospels and to read John 8. And I want to do, it's, a, it's why we wear the bracelets, right? And then God just spoke to me and was like, but you're the adulterous woman. You're the sinful one in need of Jesus. You and I are the sinful woman in this story. I want you to know two things. Number one, Jesus said, I don't condemn you. So stop living with the weight of condemnation and guilt and shame on you because Jesus doesn't condemn you. But the second one is where we're landing this whole thing. Jesus said, go, sin, no more. So if I were to tell you, go, fill in the blank, no more. What's your fill in the blank? I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to write it down on a piece of paper or anything like that. But this is the thing that we call repentance. That's the truth. We need to repent. I can't just give you grace. I got to give you truth too. What is your fill in the blank? To go fill in the blank no more. Because for Jesus, if Jesus just told this woman, neither do I condemn you. She'd have gone right back to the same exact thing she was doing before. And next time around, Jesus probably wouldn't have been there to help shoo away their accusers. And she probably really would have died this time. Jesus is over here saying, yo, the sin, all of that is what got you into this situation in the first place. Go, don't do that anymore. Not because, oh, I don't want you to have fun. No, because, because I realize that this rock bottom is where that keeps getting me. So what is your fill in the blank there? We do this quietly without distracting anybody. Would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front? I'm going to ask Trinity to come and she's going to pray over this for us. Because I, I really believe that, like, God still speaks to us. <clears throat> and I really believe when I said, just like I said, who is that hopeless case in your life? And you had a name or a face that came to mind. And when I just, when I just challenge you, go fill in the blank. No more. You've got to fill in the blank. And you don't need to tell me you don't need to tell your friend. You don't need to tell the prayer team. If you want, feel free. They'd love to pray for you. But God knows, and you know, and this could be the moment that you step out of. This could be your, like, <laughs> you're over here doing the ladder split. <laughs> and this could be your moment where you go all in. So, Trinity, would you come? Would you pray that God would speak? Just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're comfortable, put your hands out right in front of you as Trinity prays. Father, first and foremost, we just thank you for how much you love us, God, that you do not come uh, to us with a condemning heart, God, but with one that is convicting, Father, not because you want to point a finger at us and tell us that we're wrong, Father, but because you know what can hurt us, Jesus, and it is your heart's desire to protect us from that, God. So I just pray that right now in this moment, Father, whatever sin that we are facing, whatever that blank, fill in the blank may be, Father, that we can just bring that wholeheartedly to your feet, God, that we no longer have to just push it aside and avoid it, God, but that we can take it and place it at your feet, God, that you promise to be there for us, you promise to wash us clean, Father, that you hung on that cross and every drop of blood was on purpose, Father, that you saw every single one of us as you hung upon that cross and you said, you are worth it. Come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are sin, sinful. I do not come to condemn you, but to save you. And so I just pray that, Father God, that we can take our sin, we can take everything that is behind us, the guilt, the shame, 
everything that we are standing in right now, Father God, and we can just give it to you, Jesus, that we no longer have to stand in this sin, but we can move forward through your beautiful name of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, God, we just thank you for this moment that we can turn from our sin and run to you, God, that we don't have to live between the world and your kingdom, Father, but that we can choose to go all in and that we know that you will just protect us, you will stand with us, and you will lead us to higher and better things, God. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chetty. What we're going to do now is we're going to worship. These prayer stations are open. Maybe somebody, as you're worshiping, maybe somebody else comes to mind, a family member, a friend. Go gather your faith. Join your faith with our prayer team. Write their name down. Maybe there's something that you're walking through that right now, like, you know, that's my fill in the blank, and it's going to be really hard for me to let that thing go or walk away from it. And maybe you want prayer. These prayer stations are open. But I believe in this moment, God will do a work in each of our hearts. So would you do me a favor. Would, would you just close your eyes? If you're comfortable, not right out front, just in surrender, just lift your hands as we begin to step into worship. Don't even wait for the words to come. Just begin to worship him right where you're at. God, you're good. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love. Thank you that while I was still sinning, you loved me. Worship, honor, bless me. And hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, the death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope, so sing The 
struggling with something for a really long time that it's gone from struggle to addiction and in this moment um, what's happening is that the enemy is lying to you telling you that there is no life without that thing like there you cannot picture a life without your fill in the blank you think that there's no other side to that But here's like the very ironic part of Jesus telling this woman, go sin no more. It wasn't like, sorry, Jordan, I'm going to push you. It wasn't like, all right, go sin no more. Figure it out, you idiot. It was, hey, go sin no more. And I'm going to actually be the one that gives you the strength to not sin anymore. So like what's going to happen is that first God has got to convince your heart that there's an other side to this. You know what that's called when your heart gets convinced that you can get to the other side of something that seems really impossible? You know what that's called? It's called faith. And what do you do when you have faith? 
you take a step. So first, your heart's got to be convinced, young man, that you think that there is no life without that thing. There's no other side. Young lady, that you think there's no living without fill in the blank. There is. But first, you got to have your heart convinced of it. And once you do, you take that step of faith. And like, I don't, is perpendicular the right word? Is this perpendicular? Yeah, that's perpendicular. Wait, so this is perpendicular? <laughs> okay. So like most of, like, here's what's going to happen. Is you're going to, in this moment, God's going to touch your heart. You're going to go, yes. You know what? I got faith for it. God's going to help me. I don't know the details. I don't even I don't even have a game plan yet. Don't worry, God will give you a game plan. He'll walk you step by step through this. And you're like, okay, I got the faith for it then. I'm gonna take the step. And what's gonna happen is, is you're gonna think, oh, it's gonna be perpendicular, man. Like, never ever sin again. No, no, no. This is how it's gonna happen. You're gonna go, I got faith for it. God, I'm gonna take a step. Yes, this is awesome. I'm gonna take a <laughs> And you're going to trip, you're going to fall, you're going to go, ah, oh, I'm such an idiot. Wait, why am I going back there? Let me go this way. Whoa, I'm going to fall. Oh, dang. It's never this, man. It's... Trust me, I know how ridiculous this looks. But you need to see how ridiculous this looks. Because, bro, that's going to be your journey. And Jesus is just going to walk with you every step of the way. And every time you hit the ground and you're facing condemnation, because some of you in this moment, you're experiencing conviction, but condemnation and conviction, they can feel similar, but they're totally different. Condemnation does not come from God. Conviction does. Conviction is, yo, you need a savior. And you go, yep, let me run to him. <laughs> condemnation goes, I messed up. I'm such a freaking idiot. God, why did I do that again? Dude, at Bridge Youth on November 1st, I said I wasn't going to do that anymore, and I did it again. God, you idiot. So I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray tonight. I pray every night before I go to sleep, but not tonight, because you're such a hypocrite. Everybody else is raising their hands in worship, but I'm not going to. Because if I did, dude, I'm so scummy. Because right before I came to church, I fill in the blank. And in that moment, Jesus is going, no, I don't condemn you. Just take, get back up and just take another step. So tonight, to the person who thinks there is no life without that thing, I'm here to tell you, have some faith. Get your heart wrapped around. God will walk you through it and he'll give you the strength. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you'll progress. And what will happen, like it happens with so many people I've walked through stuff. I have walked people through legit addiction that was ruining their life. And what happens so often is that I believe it and they take a step and then they fall and they take two steps and then they fall and then it's seven steps and they fall and then it's 14 steps and they fall and then it's 37 steps and they fall and it's 50 steps and they fall and then it's 563 steps and they fall and then it's 2,482 steps and they fall and then they do this. They go, dude, it's been three years since I slipped up. Why go back now? And that can happen for you. So I'm gonna pray one more prayer and then Amber's gonna come in close service. God, I pray for every single young person in this room. 
who even while we were worshiping, they couldn't get their head wrapped around a life without that thing. I pray, give them visions of how amazing their life can be, not tethered to that garbage that's just robbing them. God, for the person who's under condemnation, God, let it not be my voice they hear this from, but yours when you say, I do not condemn you. And help them to follow you into that go sin no more life. God, I pray for freedom. I pray for every bit of where, wherever these young people have heard and felt shame on you. I say in Jesus' name, shame off of them. Freedom and breakthrough right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't miss what God's doing tonight. Don't miss what God is speaking tonight. The sermon in a sentence tonight was, truth without grace is mean, because it is, and grace without truth is meaningless. God doesn't want you to live a meaningless life. He wants, to live, he wants you to live life on purpose, the purpose that he created for you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. Like, it's big. He knew you before you were born. He knew you while you were being formed. And he had great purpose for your life. And in Romans 2, it talks about how God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And repentance is a turning around. Like Corey was talking about, you were walking one way, but then you turned around. That's repentance, walking towards God and not away from him. And the way that we do that is because of his great love. And that's exactly why we do what we do here at Bridge Youth. We prepare, we pray, we ask God to show up. We, we ask for, yes, we ask for fun, but we ask for purpose and meaning for life. And we want you guys to catch that. But when it's not about catching a behavior, I need to walk this way, I need to not cuss, I need to not do this, I need to not go to those parties, I need to not drink, I need to not go to that thing. No, I need to love God, I need to love God, I need to love God, I need to understand his love for me. I need to experience that. And you know how that happens? Coming to youth, getting into a faith community, getting in your Bible. The Bible is so accessible. So if you say that you don't have a Bible, download the Bible app. Literally there's plans. One of our leaders did a plan that you can do. It's awesome. Spend time with God. And if you accepted Christ tonight, that is the greatest decision you could have ever made in your life. And so we just wanna join you as a family saying, this is a family, we are the family of God. And God wants to take you from step to step to step. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to walk in meaning and purpose. And so I wanna encourage you tonight that if you, you made that big step, that start of a relationship, we wanna help you walk that out and we say it every week. And so sometimes it can get like cliche, like yeah, next seven days I got a DM. No, 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 this is like videos that will start to walk you through the important things that you need to start walking through to find meaning and purpose in life. And it's really just discovering God. Discovering God and when you begin to discover him, I promise you when your heart is open and you're not stubborn and shut off, you begin to live in that purpose-filled life that he's called you to live before you were even born. And so I wanna encourage you in that. And so 
Okay. Bridgeyuth, God has spoken a lot tonight, and I don't want you to miss what he's done. So when we leave this place, when you get home, when you walk into your home, you walk into your room, you shut the door, I want you to remember God wants you to have meaning for your life, and that meaning flows out of the love that he has for you. So begin to discover that. Continue to discover that. Maybe you've been discovering it for a couple days, for a couple months, for a couple years. Maybe tonight is the first night of saying, God, I want to discover that. Keep discovering that. I want to encourage you. So, all right. Another way that you can grow in your faith is we don't just meet on Wednesdays. We meet on Sundays as well. And we have connect groups, which actually, that's where a lot of the mess, we talk about it. Because we're in J-High connect groups with girls, and they have way different conversations than high school boys. And so that's where it gets messy. That's where we're like, come on, ask the hard questions. We don't have all the answers, but we know who has all the answers, and we will help direct you with responses. And so come on Sunday. We have connect groups happening this Sunday. Um, But before we leave, let's have a little fun. Let's worship God. Let's get excited. Let's respond to what he's done tonight. All right, Bridget, let's worship one more time. Side. 